G'day, boys. Welcome to the Coaching Techs. How are we, Tad? Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. I can't wait for the finals this weekend. It's going to be super games, I reckon. Yeah, yeah I reckon it will be. Yeah, well, the Tigers are in there, so that makes it even better. Tex? Something different. How are you, mate? Hello. I'm well. I'm, uh, I'm well. I'm relaxed. I've had a bit of a sabbatical, and I've um, researched myself into a muck episode. So, looking forward to this week. I think there'll be four ripping games and so much to cover tonight. So much. Are you off the mower? Uh, no, no, not, not yet. I'm regularly off it, but uh, uh, going beautifully. And what a what a handy final round, mate. There were some heavyweight games, um, draws, live ladders. It, it was all over the place, mate. Did you um <laughs> did you get up and about? I, it actually there was a, a a smidgen of interest for me in that in that most previous round. Well, that's not surprising. You've lost interest in weeks ago, mate, with the Tigers performing poorly. So we can we can understand that. Um, we are going to talk about. Um, the season a little bit later. I know we spoke about the state of the game, but it was only on reflection that I worked out confident the game about footy. Uh, it's, it's more than just the fact that the Tigers aren't performing okay. Um, this COVID update, uh, old Gladdy B, I, I heard she was on the news. Six million vaccinations she's met before the end of the uh, month, what, what? so she's happy about that, which equates to about 30% of the state. So she's up and about. Text your one, yeah, yeah, somewhat uh, thirty. I um, have you got me there now? Can you hear me, Harry? Oh, we can hear you, mate. That's all we right. We can mate. hear you, Tommy. You, you just the broke up reflecting off that scone. You just broke up a bit, and I think um, well, Gladys clearly is going to vaccinate her way out of it, and and Dan and everybody else are trying to lock ourselves into it. So I'm not sure where we're going, to be honest. Oh, Jesus. And um, I did see, though, that um, juniors have been opened up now to um, – we do have uh, effectively the, the equivalent of the under-19s now uh, when it comes to vaccinations here in, in Australia. You can actually vaccinate with Pfizer or above yeah, 16. Yeah, 16 above from tomorrow morning, correct. Yep. Yes. Um, so um, the, 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 young, the young tech seniors and, uh, are all um, booked in techs? Uh, they are, yet. Uh, they're going to get online tomorrow and have a crack and get get in the queue. Fantastic. Good on them. Mrs. Tittle's got the... Uh, flying around, mate. They're, they're all... They're all... <laughs> I think it's next week. They're pretty booked in. Oh, Fantastic. beautiful. That's great. That's awesome. For the Hank Pfizer. Lovely. I get my second shot on Friday afternoon of the Astra. Do you know many people that are not vaccinated? A few. Um, There's still a few at work, mate. I mean, you're technically not allowed to ask them. Uh, uh, I know please. that doesn't stop you, mate, because I know your your, your, um, your questioning technique goes far and wide. But um, that is apparently the you're not allowed to ask them. You're not allowed to put them under any pressure at this particular point in time. And our dickhead prime minister certainly not interested in putting some sort of edict around what needs to be done or not be done. Uh, now, don't get me started, mate. He He's come out magnificently the last 48 hours. So you watch his opinion ratings go through the roof as he leads us out of this uh, between now and Christmas. You watch. 
<laughs> he's going as well as the Carlton board, I reckon, mate. So um, more about that later. Uh, but, <laughs> but what about – hey, uh, go on, Tex. You finish. Well, no, 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 it wasn't on, I wasn't on politics. I was just going to say this was the, the week that we officially went mad. Did you catch up with the big news of the week? Yes, I did. Um, go on. Big news. What? Uh, the, Baron, the Baron boat has uh, become the, the British envoy to trade to Australia. Did you hear about that? I did hear about that. I did hear about that. He's the he's boy for trade to Australia. Um, and Beef is leading the charge. But, but you know what's bigger than that? We've 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 now a plot. Can you believe that we've increased another four wiggles into? Can you believe this? We've now got an Ethiopian-born, an Indigenous, Indigenous Australian, a Chinese Australian, and a Filipino. The Wiggles have become from gone from four till eight overnight. We have officially lost our shit. Mm. Shane, you're, you're you're astounded by this. I can just see by the look on your face, mate. <laughs> well, looking at the Wiggles ads uh, on TV, yeah, there's another Wiggle there, Grey Wiggle. He's not too happy about anything. Oh, it's the Uber Eats ad chain. <laughs> yes, correct, Tex. Dude, they, they must be spending a fair bit of money on those ads. They're, they're, they've got everyone doing those ads. Well, well only Simon. Well, did, well, didn't um, Serena Williams do one of those early days where she was – was it Serena Williams with um, – what's her name from um, um, Kath and Kim, the, the character? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Hewitt. Nepal, Kardashian, one of the Kardashians it was. The Kardashian. Oh, was it? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. It was a Kardashian. Hey, yeah. speaking of um, um, just one little bit more on politics, Tex, I did see some people on the screens there who were running around Melbourne on Saturday afternoon who I thought would be very good people that you'd send over to Afghanistan on the front line um, because they had a strong belief in the in that um, that man upstairs, God, because he, they didn't need was going to help them. People we should send to... The situation in Afghanistan. Just emailed Scott Morrison about that one, mate. So I'm just waiting on a reply. <laughs> well, that now Shane, don't encourage two very, very, very different issues. Those the protesters are just horrible. What happened there? I mean that that the way that violent protest took place and um, the way they took on the police was just disgraceful. We're not a third world country, so. Terrible behaviour, in my view. I don't know what you two thought about it. Do you have a view on it, or are you going to sit on the fence? Oh, no, I, I, there's no reason for them to be there. It's just ridiculous. All they're doing is spreading the virus with this virus amongst them. So, no, they shouldn't be protesting at all. So I'm laughing at uh, the idea of sending them over to Afghanistan and yeah. uh, have, a, have a chat to the Taliban and see how they go there. I don't think oh, they get very far. The they the are the front line for us. That's Great. the sort of that, people we need representing our country yeah. over there, mate. We're the speed humps. As very and since Scott, um, I mean Scott and Gladys can actually they can just be in front of the keyboard, with Dan and even Snooker McGuigan or whatever he's up there in WI. Okay. Um, okay, and now I, I, I see um, um, Peter Gatwin in the act now, mate. So he's he's he, he feels left out. <laughs> Getting involved in some of the political action, so they're coming up with a mini hub. So a fair income, mate. Um, it's just. Fucked. Anyway, hey, just on Afghanistan, do you know who you know how so Biden's pulled out and all that, but you know who hasn't actually pulled out? You know who's 
who's front and centre there, lowered the eyes nicely, Shane, in Afghanistan, is uh, Vlad, Vlad Putin. He's, he's, <laughs> I'm serious. He, they have not withdrawn Russian troops from Afghanistan. He's, well, he's, well, he, well, he's made Donald, Donald T., has um, been on the phone to me, mate, and said, you cannot undo the good work that I did there uh, oh, many moons ago. N- none of this playing one behind the ball for Vlad, mate. He's thrown everyone into the middle and they're going to win the next contest. Don't worry about that. Right. So, Tex, uh, you, you mentioned about Donald but, T coming back and uh, running for presidency again. So you must be pretty happy at the moment with about the big T. It's, it's, it's a momentum that's building, Shane. We're countdown to January 2024 and it'll be the resurrection of the great man. The, the world is stuffed. All right. Big episode. We've got plenty of themed issues to talk about. Um, Coach's Corner picks up on the last two teams who finally made the eight. And and then there's another another fantastic episode of Turtle TV. The tirade might get a bit more jumpy this week. We don't like that nice stuff, Tex. And there's a whole section on tweeters. We've got a special tweeters Hall of Fame that we want to talk about. Um, later in your episode, don't we, Tex? We All do. Right, but if we want to get them involved, where do they go, Shane? I think it would be at oh, the coach and Tex. Love it, Let's Tex. get into it, boys. What a huge week it was um, for round 23. It uh, drew comparisons like 1987, if you recall, Shane. Oh, you would have been playing then. Were you in one of the consequential games back in 87? Uh, Jimmy Stein's running across the mark and giving Gary Buckenauer a, a kick on goal. No, no, that was in the finals, round 22, when everyone was clamouring. No, we for played a spot. our last game in 1987 against uh, Essendon at the MCG. We uh, finished wooden spooners that year. So, no ramifications that game? Correct. Mm, mm, okay. Very good. Thank you so, very what much. we want to do is have a bit of a run through uh, each of the big games in week one. Um, so let's start with first versus fourth, the Demons against the Lions. Tex, the neutral venue, what do you think? Who's it oh. going to work in favour of? What, what's, your, what's your thinking about this game, mate? Um, I think this, to me, is um, the most one-sided of the four games. So I'm very confident Melbourne get the job done here. I don't think the neutral ground... Um, means much. Having said that, I think that, um, I'll declare my hand early, I think the top four as they finished will end up playing in the prelims anyway. Doesn't matter what happens this week. But I would expect Melbourne to get it done. I see they got to choose the venue. They chose Adelaide Oval, obviously have their own reasons. Um, They were a bit limited, really, weren't they? It was either Adelaide or Tasmania, by the sounds of it, or take the long haul over to Perth. So I don't think it means much. It's got a double chance. I think it'll be a cracking game of footy, but I'm looking forward to seeing Melbourne continue on their way? Mm. I think uh, I agree. I think Melbourne will win the game. I think they'll be too strong. I think they'll be playing better, better standard and quality of football. They've got a the better balance right around the whole team, I think, around across the ground. Uh, I don't expect Brisbane to have much of an impact at all uh, through the finals. So, um, you know, I, I gave you my views on Brisbane last week and um, after they defeated Collingwood convincingly. But, but prior to that, I wasn't convinced they're going to have an impact on on September um, finals performance. So interesting. Chris Fagan thinks they're playing the best footy they've they've played, but I just I can't see that at the moment. So I, I expect Melbourne to win on the on the Friday night. That's Saturday night. Saturday night, is it? Sorry. Yeah, Friday yeah. night's um oh, Port Adelaide. Sorry, I actually yep. I think whoever wins this game wins the flag. 
Hmm. Even if Brisbane win the game? If Brisbane win the game, I, I, I think Brisbane are my pick to win the flag. Um, I, I think they're a big chance on, on Friday. They're, they're timing their run. Uh, they've been a good team. They actually should have beaten Melbourne when they played them at a neutral venue at GWS, if I recall. They played in Sydney before Sydney closed down. Yeah, they dominated um, the first half and then correct. went home second half. Correct. So yeah. I, I think this could be a lot closer than what people um, give it credit for. So um, the, the question will be is with, without um, Hipwood, how, how did they go scoring goals against that Melbourne defence? And Melbourne, I think there's this stat about um, all the defensive mechanisms around the, the, the premiership profile that they're now talking about with all the stats and whatever. And... Melbourne are number one in all of the defensive aspects. Um, so uh, I do think that, you know, they're the, um, they're the favourite. But also no team that's finished on top has won the premiership since 2013 either. So that's just another little weird stat on the side to, yeah. to, I think, to, to think through. I think it all goes really – the key <clears throat> for me um, is where Chris Fagan starts uh, Joe Danaher. I think he has to play him up the ground. Oh, he really? Can't play him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you think about it. They go for a small front line, so the goal square with Charlie, uh, Charlie Cameron, for example. He'll, he'll start there. And maybe um, McCarthy might be there as well. You've got, you got the likes of, um, what's his name? Um, Lieber. Fullback. Yeah, but no, no, mate. 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 I couldn't think of mate. Um, he, they can't play on those guys. They've got to come up the ground. He won't lie playing up the ground. And Joe can play up the ground. We saw him against Collingwood, how dominant he was there. He's got to change that setup. They'll stay back, though, mate. That's their modus operandi. I think, as in the Melbourne defence, they'll, they'll hold someone back as a goalkeeper. So, regardless of who they play, I think Brisbane need to implement the game style they used against Richmond to beat them because um, that's the team that's bugged Brisbane for a while um, with their intercept marking. And, and Melbourne's modelled a fair bit of that setup. Um, on on the Richmond setup, I think of, of of the last few years. So if Brisbane can find a way through that, they're a big show. So if I'm reading it right, if Brisbane lose, they'll get a their second game will be at the Gabba. If they win and they go into a prelim, is it confirmed that that will be at the Gabba, or that may be on a neutral? There's no I, confirmation. I think they're all going to Perth, mate. I, yeah, that's right. I think they're going to Perth. Yeah, for the prelim week. But but what no, no, even after this, the week after, after this week, I think. And it's because of this sterile corridor thing that um, in Queensland, it's not that easy for teams. So there's a bit for them to think about. Um, what about Port and Geelong? Those old boys at Geelong, mate, they're just about on their last legs, I reckon. I think they'll win. Oh, there you go. Fair yeah. enough. I, I think they'll win. So uh, they had their bad performance on the weekend. And uh, I mean, I've said a few weeks ago, I don't rate Port. Um and still don't. I still think Geelong are a step above them or a level above them, and I expect them to win on the weekend. Oh, this this is the one game that I think is genuinely 50-50. I've been pretty bullish about Port, as you know, and I think that is is a big thing for them. Be interesting to see if um, Georgiades gets up and plays. I don't know why you'd risk him if he's not right. Um, but a bit like the first game, I don't think it'll matter because I think whoever – Losers will come back and win the following week, but I'm going to go with Port purely because of where it's being played. So then, so you're predicting a Geelong versus Brisbane prelim, and a Port versus Melbourne prelim in the week yeah. uh, in the preliminary final week. Correct. Okay. See, I, I um, 
again, the, the height of arrogance at Geelong last weekend, mate. Um, that's what we saw unfolding yet again from the mastermind home and away season coach. And, and something goes off in his brain when finals week one comes and they've won two out of seven qualifying finals. He's got a, uh, they've got a fantastic record. They've, they've played in, they've got the double chance eight or something out of the 11 years he's coached them. And, mm. um, and I think their records like two and six or something in those qualifying finals. So they just, they don't win them that often. Um, so we'll, um, we'll wait and see. I'm barracking for Port. And then hopefully they'll get punted by whoever they play the week after. <laughs> I would I would just pick up on what the coach said. Um, they they got forty four points up in front of Melbourne, who are a very good side. So I don't think they've done a hell of a lot wrong. I know they didn't win the game, yeah. but it doesn't mean much yeah. now. This, this, this all it means is they're probably playing on a least preferred venue. That's all. Other they than move, that, means move on. They played good footy there before. They're all right. Sydney and GWS in the Battle of the Bridge. On whatever the bridge is called in Launceston, uh, what's that called Hobart over there? Mate? I, I thought they were going to play at the Battle of the Tasman Bridge, but I realised they weren't playing in Hobart; uh, they were playing in in Launceston. Is there oh, a bridge think... in Lonnie? I don't think there's a bridge there, is it? There is. It probably just goes over from Street A to Street B. Ah, you know? uh, yes, yeah, one way it is too. Mm. Mm. Um, I think right both... near the GTC. <laughs> both both these sides have um, have been incredible this year, actually, given what they've had to contend with, and and. Um, I think this will be a pretty good game of footy, but I don't have any reason to get off the Swans. They've been great all year, and I think they'll get the job done again. Uh, yeah, I, I think the Swans. I think in a in a close one, so you know, uh, and I'll touch on GWS a little bit later in the show. Um, however, I think uh, they probably got a more consistent performance from uh, from the Swans over the year. I think scoring power is pretty. Uh, um, they're probably another level just above GWS, and I think um, you know with the scoring power we'll see, we'll see that the GWS haven't scored um, greatly, as in high scores over the whole season. They only average about eighty points a game, so um, I, I think they have their past so, performance. Mate. Their past performance against in in Tassie's not great. Uh, when I have a look at um, who they uh, drew with, which was North Melbourne, so I don't know. I, I just think Swans would be probably too good for the on the day. Well, if it's windy like David King reckons it's going to be, uh, it'll be a five-goal wind blowing down in one direction for the whole weekend, uh, which will fuck up the whole games. But um, if that happens, then the Swans' skill level will be um, very important to see how they how they handle those conditions. Um, I think that's that that'll be the interesting thing. They're missing a few too, the Swans. Um, well, Kennedy out Colin and. Yeah, Callum Mills with Achilles. So they're two midfield cogs against, um, pardon the pun, cogs yes. who's coming back in for uh, GWS. So um, mm, be, that'd be a lot closer, whoever said that, um, than, than what we do. we think Buddy can kick eight and get his mm. thousand over in Tassie? That'd be great. You get four and a half thousand Tasmanians running onto the ground. Um, not, not, not this week, but if they win, he'll probably kick four and he may have a chance next week. The scene of the crime, mate, where he scored 13. 13. I was about to uh, say that famous Hutto call, mate. I hope yes. uh, unfortunately Channel Seven are calling the game, which is a disaster. But anyway, I've got some suggestions for them when 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 the town when the games get to WA. The what about Western Bulldogs and Essendon? Uh, well, this will be a big statement for me. I don't think the Bulldogs can win, uh, so I think Essendon will will chalk up a win. And Shane, the reason I say that is clearly I don't know much about the game, but you do. 
I watched that closely the other day. Naked Eye, Bulldogs play a hard-running style of footy that is just actually not sustainable. Um, so I, I don't think they can get the job done against Essendon. I watched Essendon close. I think Essendon will get over the line comfortably. This will be the biggest margin of the four games in my mind. And Bulldogs don't have a ruckman. <laughs> Well, it's taxing when you have to defend. And what Port did well, really well against them last week was actually use the ball and made them actually move and, and be accountable. Uh, and when you do that for long periods of time, it's going to tell you that you can't run both ways. And it certainly had any impact on them. So, I mean, they keep four goals in the first quarter, um, the doggies, and then you know, struggle to score after that. Uh, it's an interesting one because Essendon have only beaten one team in the, in the top eight, and that was the doggies three weeks ago. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how they actually go this week. So three weeks after their victory. So um, I'm not sure. They'll run them pretty hard and their defensive structure is not too bad. So uh, with the doggies being out of form, um, it might be a tough game for them. So I, I think the doggies still might get over the line of the Bombers. They're a very inexperienced team. So um, we'll see what happens. It'll be whoever loses will have ended up choking. Uh, it'll be 6,200 days without a finals win for Essendon if they lose. And if the Bulldogs lose, which will be their fourth game that they'll mm-hmm. lose in a row, yeah. they've gone from top of the ladder, a game clear, I think it was, four weeks ago, to straight out of the finals. Um, not good enough, mate. Not that they can win it from here anyway, I don't think. But I think they'll still be, I think they'll do the job on Essendon on the weekend. But um, I, I did say, um, I, I went for my... Um, my walk with the dog and Mrs. Turtle on Sunday, um, waltzing around um, Glen Ferry Oval, and who should who should be walking down there is Marcus Bontempelli with his with his um, younger brother and sister and his old man, and the poor bastard. I mean, he nearly took my eye out with that freaking schnoz of his. But aside from that, the poor bastard was sitting around there looking very despondent, like the weight of the world was on his shoulders. I felt sorry for the young man. I, I, t- I tell you what, I couldn't believe today, spending a bit of time on the mower was. Um... The number of bulldog supporters that have come after the coach, geez, he, I mean, they will really tear the joint down if they get the, if they don't get the job done. But so they lost to St Kilda last year, and who were their previous finals losses to? Well, they didn't make it the year before I that. I think they did. The, the yeah. last time they made the finals was a premiership year, seventeen yeah. and eighteen. They didn't make it. Nineteen. Oh, actually, they might have played. GWS beat them that year, didn't they? Right. They killed. Yeah, they killed them in two thousand and nineteen. In that. That game that they roughed up Bontempelli and all the rest of it when they were all, you know, yeah. Toby was getting into them. Magnificent stuff. Hey, right. just, be- just before you leave those games, the line in any of those games is not greater than 10 points. So if you pick the four winners and roll them all up at the line, you get $13. $13? Sh- yeah. $13. Well, how did, you, how did your one go last week, mate? The one that, the one that you thought was pretty good odds at $6.45. How'd that go? Unlucky. I'm just telling you, um, no games got no games got more than ten points start. If you can pick the four well, winners, you get thirteen bucks. Well, well, the other issue is, mate, is that thirty thousand dollar bet that I placed a few weeks ago that you suggested. Just pick any one of these three teams and put ten grand on them, and you're going to win money anyway. Well, Bulldogs are already out. That was one of the teams that we um, we had. <laughs> I could get them for about seven bucks now for the flag. Um, so that's that's gone. So there's only two choices left now: Geelong. Who are going to go out in straight sets and Melbourne? Mm. Let's move on. Let's mm. move on indeed. Now, we've got to go to the, the two top issues as far as I'm concerned outside of final stuff is this debacle at Carlton. What say you, Shane? 
as a, 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 I mean, what what are they doing down there? You've got managers now getting in defending and accusing the player of the of the team that the coach is coaching. It is just a debacle. Uh, that's probably the only way you can describe it, mate. So I feel sorry for Teague. Like, you know, this review has been going on for how long now? Six weeks? And they still 12. haven't... 12 weeks, is it? They did it after round 11. <laughs> and they still can't come to a conclusion what they want. Oh, like, everyone knows what they want. They're just boxing with everybody now. Right? They want Clarkson now that he's available. Why would you go to that club? If you're a, 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 um, a coach of interest to that club, you would not go there. And what they're, about they're now they're saying about Ross Lyon? Um, old um, Ross might have been doing some tricky little things. I, I think it was one of those special Dave Hayden. Um, um, what, what do they call them, mate? Um, those agreements that you come up with. Uh, separation agreement. Oh, like a deed. Separation agreement. Indeed. Yeah. In fa- indeed. Um, poor old Rossi, mate. Um, sounds like there might have been a separation agreement with that young lady in question over there, and a bit of hush money might have been paid. Um, How's that come up now? Well, it might surprise you that I have a different view. So Carlton, the review, right, and the the mistake they've made is they've played it out in the media. But I I didn't expect them to sack David Teague yesterday, not while they're trying to do exit interviews and wrap up the players. So whether they're buying time and they're going to sack him anyway, um, he probably, probably deserves to be sacked, given what the club's done since he joined them. But... Um, you know, the board and others have got a lot at stake. And, and, and uh, the captain himself, well, I know you've got a set on him, but um, uh, what will be will be. Clearly, it looks like as we speak tonight, they either get Clarkson or they keep Teague. Um, you, you also so Lyon's now gone, is he? Oh, yeah. As I, as I came on, on air tonight, I think um, Ross Lyon's no chance to coach the club. But... What will be interesting is whether the board takes a view. So they appointed Teague for three years, and now the only reason you'd pay him out and sack him would be if you could get Clarkson. So if they can't get Clarkson because he doesn't want to jump, you'll probably make your bed and line it because who else is going to coach him? Uh, I, I don't know, mate. I, I'm just thinking like, I'd hate to be David Teague. If that's the case, just leave him hanging. If they don't get Clark, oh, well, you've got another year, mate. Well, that's just horrible. And then, then you expect him to still perform. Jesus Christ. Well, and the body language of some of the could... Carlton players after the game on the weekend, that was just appalling. Why doesn't he not, just walk anyway, mate? Jeez. Why doesn't he yeah. just walk anyway? Yeah, because he won't get a job anywhere else probably. This is the problem. No, no we well, not this. as a senior coach, but he can bounce back as a – he can go back and get an assistant's job somewhere. We said that's this... all he is. He's probably just an assistant coach. Correct. Yeah, and we, we said this $400,000 less. Yeah, but we said right. this when he was appointed, Shane. You pay peanuts, you get monkeys. And they didn't learn from the Brendan Bolton incident. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've signed him up for three years. They either pay him out. But I agree with you. It'd be very hard for him to work in that club uh, going forward. Last sure. thing on them. Last thing on them. I heard a caller on Talkback go, um, that idiot Lagutashe, who is a clown, gets mm-hmm. up and talks about the, the performance of the board and all the rest. And this Luke Sayers has been there and overseen the majority of these coaches who've been punted um, over the last seven or eight years. I think he's been on the board nine years or something like that as well, right? And they talk about governance. Now, you've done the um, the AICD, Australian Institute of Company Directors course, Tex, and they what happens around self-evaluation of boards? So um, they're obviously too stupid to do a self-evaluation down there because if they did, there'd be no board left. 
Oh, no, that's right. And I think it was Carlton who changed the constitution under Legoutier, um around how you become a board member and how you, you know, in terms of your terms of um, terms of reference and your tenure and all that. So, yeah, they've been a problem for – they're not on their own, by the way, when it comes to that. But, yeah, they're a massive part of the problem is that uh, that board. And what about your club? How about that captain going and shopping himself around, mate? Well, That's I'm going to – That is gonna, unbelievable. I'm going to talk a little bit about him later on. Um, but it, it was very disappointing and um, – I mean, I get why he would say it. I get why he might think it. It's a bit like Sam Mitchell did um, and Luke Hodge and players like that. It's not uncommon for a club late in their career. And as I understand, it happens regularly in your two's second favourite sport, the NBA. But uh, it wasn't timely at all. It was very, very poor. Very poor. The um, It is interesting, though, mate. Um, they, they have just faded into oblivion, Collingwood. I cannot believe... if. Like Eddie, Eddie must be getting so worked up about the fact that the club's completely irrelevant um, at the moment. Uh, the way they finished the season off, um, that that pretend coach that they've got in there filling in at the moment. You know, he obviously did a number on us in the last quarter, and I think he played one other good game after that, where they showed some glimpses of a slightly different game style, and everyone's up and about. And well, basically, what's the record since he's been on two and seven or something like that? I think we only won one. We only won one game, haven't we? Two, two. Yeah. Well, I must have missed that one. Yeah, they the, beat, the Richmond game, but I don't remember who else they beat. Beat North Melbourne. Was Buckley still there then? No, beat, beat North, North Melbourne. Yeah, beat North. Um, and they beat West Coast as well. Wow. Hey, um, there's a couple of other matters that I wanted to cover, if I can. Um, you can. Go on, text. We're going to deviate from um, um, the rest of the, the run sheet here on, on the matters that we were going to cover off. Well, we, 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 well let's do them first. Let's do them I first. just want to just say about AFLW, right, because we did want to talk about it last week. But I reckon it's fantastic that they're expanding and doing what they're doing. But what about the AFL? I mean, why would you announce it last week? In the middle of everything that's going on with the men's game now, why couldn't they have just waited until the season finished and then just extend the messaging about um, football and specifically women's football by by giving it some sole focus? Ah, I just don't get it. Oh, well, who, who knows? Only uh, Gilly can answer that. But, um, uh, you know, the excitement of actually announcing the four teams so every club's got a women's team, I'd imagine that's the case, but... Um, well, yeah, I take your point. Like, you know, you could wait till the end of the final series and go, hey, and we're also announcing ta-da, Correct. what's happening. So, um, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to resource all this, you know, stretching the resources on umpires, coaches, the right coaches. You know, we question some of the coaches that coaching the men's teams at the moment. So, where are these quality coaches going to come in and, and not only coach, but also develop these women that are way behind the, the eight ball, so to speak? I, I think it's great that they've expanded to you know to the full complement, but I think there would have to be economies of scale if you played the season alongside the men's, and that would mean playing them at the same venue. So when crowds are allowed to come back, you go and watch the women's and the men's. One plays before the other. Um, you halve the expenses associated with putting on the competition. I know it doesn't give it its unique airtime that it probably craves, but... I would like to see it run concurrently with the men's season, not not played in as a summer sport. Mm, okay. 
I, I don't agree with that, but that's okay. Interesting. Um, the boys will whinge and talk about the quality and standard of the of the uh, ground, the surface of the grounds they're playing on. If the girls are chopping them up prior to their playing, well, they shouldn't be about their grounds. They shouldn't be so precious. Well, you think about where the girls play their games now. They're not on AFL grounds. Mm. Hey, I am hoping that um, the finals do something to change this whole field. But in my view, this is a season without soul. Um, and and I think, uh, and I'll, I'll put this down for discussion because I've been racking my brains to, to work out, well, what is it about what's going on with footy? And I reckon after two years of not being able to go to games, um, not seeing crowds consistently at games. So a couple of those games, even the, was it the, the, the derby a couple of weeks ago between West Coast and Frio and, and all the noise and whatever else. It was just fantastic, right? Um, there was a bit of that um, at the Adelaide game against North, even though apparently that, they only were allowed to have 15,000 at that, at that game. But I think how hard um, all, all the hoops you've got to jump through to go to games this year, the amount of games that we've missed in going as a supporter, no doubt your team not doing as well as you want, plays a part but I'll, and then my views are that the game's just not as good to watch and apparently the stats came out yesterday it's the lowest scoring season since 1967 despite all the rule changes um, so you know it might have freed up movement of the ball but all it's done is is chipped it around so um, that that I've got to the bottom of it in terms of my own personal feelings is I think the inability to get to games and crowds at the games, has just made it, yeah, or whatever. Do you feel like you're not the, you're not actually a part of it? Well, it's because a... you can't go to the games. And like, if you look at your example, being a Tiger supporter, yeah, you're pretty excited in October last year when they won it. Yeah, uh, regardless probably, of the fact you... that I wasn't going. Correct. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you probably weren't thinking about whether this is a relevant season or it's, it's got no soul to it. But twelve months later, or nearly, you are now suggesting that maybe the last two seasons haven't had soul. It's certainly been different. Um, yeah, when you talk about Cal- Collingwood being relevant, is the, as the season's been relevant for people in general. It's a good question. Um, I don't know. Do they care about it less because they haven't been able to go and and be engaged physically, be engaged, yell abuse, yell mm. you know superlatives to their 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 team they're following? I don't know. Well, I reckon uh, the last game I went to was with you two. That was, yeah. I think, the last game. It was at the G. And there was yeah. a crowd there and. And, you know, there was masks and we joked around all the different things that you had to do in terms of where you could sit and whatever else. But it was a bit of fun, right? You could go for your mates and have a couple of drinks and um, yell out and do whatever else. But the amount of times you were able to do that versus other games where there was nothing. Um, but but also, I think, watching games with other teams. So that, that Melbourne-Geelong game, right? I mean, can you imagine if there was a crowd there at Cadinia Park? At the end of that game, and and just the noise and the feeling, and been unbelievable. Exactly unbelievable. right, and so I think even watching these games as an impartial supporter, they've just lost their lost their soul. I think anyway. I think you've we've lost um, that connection to the game because we just can't go. I, I, I no, I disagree. I, I mean, it's been different. There's no doubt, and I prefer to be going to the footy. But I think. We've been spoiled as Melburnians, particularly. Um, there's been crowds in Brisbane, crowds in Perth, limited crowds in Adelaide. I don't think it's been a solar season. I think whoever wins it, um, their supporters, whilst they would love to have gone, whether it be Melbourne or Geelong, for example, just like you, Turtle, would have liked to have gone and seen 
your team win their third one. But um, no, I don't think I, it's been a small I agree with that. I agree with that. If it's your team, you, who cares, right? But what I'm saying is that I, I'm commenting on this as an overall, not just yeah. about me watching my team. I think overall, I'm just trying to think why they don't care now around the other games. You know, it has to be a ripping good game. And hopefully, like I think Bulldogs and Essendon with 15,000 people or whatever they're allowed to put in to York Park is going to be great. Yeah. It'll be pro Essendon. It'll be like they're playing a home game, I reckon, based off that game earlier in the year than mm. they played against Hawthorne. I, th- I think that's fantastic. Um, so that might be interesting. And if it's a close game, great. Anyway, uh, we could bang on about this for a while. Quick uh, quick couple of points, mate, you wanted to make? Oh, well, you, you did have Tassie on the run street. I, I, maybe we'll talk more about that next week. I think it's fantastic that finally um, Tassie's going to be granted its 19th licence. As of today, it was discussed that it's, it's virtually been done. They're going to be put to the put to the clubs in March and they'll sign that off and Tassie will come into the competition in the next three to four years. So I think that's, that's going to be good for the competition and long overdue. Well, I think that the decision was that they would, they would, Gutwin wanted a decision. He announced it in parliament. I actually heard it on the way, on the way home tonight. Gil, uh, Gil McLaughlin has, has committed to him. Yeah, committed that they'll put it to the meeting in March, the president's meeting in March. And they'll vote. That doesn't mean it'll happen. No, but they will. They'll, they'll, they'll get it through. Okay. Um, four other quick points, and, and they'll be very quick. Four very quick ones. Okay. So the, the first mm. one is not to wind you up. I did take to Twitter. The, the, the selfishness club that I saw on the weekend to have Basher Hooley at the game of footy, but, but worse than that, for, for David Asprey to hog the match ball and take it away from a 407-game icon like Sean Burgle, and I thought was disgraceful. The other one was position on unreliable Indigenous footballers. I mean, Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody, um, we, we don't give enough scrutiny to that bloke. He's unable to take part in his club's biggest game of the year because he's lazy and overweight. That's what his personal issues are. And the club has confirmed it. So it's not that he's got a mental health issue and he's going to be given time. He's actually physically not capable of being in their best team to play in a final. That is a disgrace from that human being. Um, the other point is Gold Coast and North Melbourne, they they continue to fly under the radar, as we've been banging on about for a while. They are very irrelevant. And the insufficient intent rule, just watch out for that because they're going to tear the joint down on one of these finals, the way that's being adjudicated at the moment. That's going to cost someone big time over the next month. Hopefully Geelong. Thanks, Tex. And I can I can hear the coach, mate. He's um, the papers shuffling. He's getting all of his notes ready. Um, we're about to hear some incisive commentary. Good work, <laughs> lads. Morwood, a chance here for Collingwood. Shane Morwood puts it back. Oh, magnificent goal by Morwood. Now, Shane, you've been doing a heap of work again. Which teams are you going to talk about tonight, sir? We've got GWS and we've got the Essendon Bombers. Get into it, mate. Who do you want to focus on first? Let's go. Uh, let's go the Giants. So uh, they've had eleven wins and one draw for the season. Um, one of the concerning factors, I think, with GWS um, is the amount of points they score on average, which is only about eighty. It's one of the lowest out of the top eight teams. Um, their lowest. Average in the inside 50s is about 50 per game. Um, 
So I think this it was obviously negates their scoring impact. So up forward, they've got Toby Green. We know how impactful he is. He's kicked 42 goals for the season. They pushed Timmy, Timmy Taranto up there uh, recently. He's kicked 11 goals already, which is pretty good. You've got Jesse Hogan, Harry Himmelberg, uh, Finn Layson. Uh, I don't think they'll play the three tonight. I don't think Jesse will get a game, actually. I think if well, Finn Layson hasn't okay. played for a while. Yeah, if he's okay um, fitness-wise, uh, I reckon they'll play him. He's been sore, I think. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they do at the selection table this weekend. So uh, key mids for me, they've got Tom Green, Josh Kelly, Callum Ward. Uh, and Hopper, um, they've been instrumental. Uh, Tom Green's the one I like in, as an on-baller. Um, doesn't kick many goals, but I just love his composure under pressure and his decision-making, his execution is unreal, I reckon. So Josh Kelly's just a machine. He just keeps getting, collect, uh, collecting uh, stats. Callum Ward's a, he's a hard nut. He just does anything and plays anywhere. I think the, the beauty about him, you can, you can push him forward, you can push him back. I think they've got some really good key backs. Nick Haynes is a is an awesome player, intercept marker. Uh, Phil Davis sort of stayed home, body to body type player. Lucky Whitfield play back and play forward, as in or forward, but he can also play on the wing. Uh, he's averaging about twenty five disposals a game. Sam Taylor Taylor does a good good job at back. Isaac Cumming, the young kid, uh, he's averaging twenty two disposals a game. He's a running type player. So, on current form since round sixteen, they defeated uh, Melbourne uh, Bombers, Geelong. Richmond and Carlton have lost to the Suns, Swans and Port. So there's there's some good form there, but there's some inconsistent form as well when you lose to those low teams like Richmond and Carlton. Uh, sorry, and Suns and Swans. Uh, Swans and and Suns, sorry. Um, no, Suns and way. Richmond. Yeah. Um, I mentioned the on-ballers. Uh, uh, they're defenders. They're good-marking players. Um, Best defence over the last six weeks, Shano. Yeah. In the league. Yeah. I think that Sam Taylor I mentioned before, like he's very good at the one-on-one contest as well. And he's a great intercept set marker and at ground level. So I think they're what I've liked uh, about their game recently over the last five, six weeks is they're actually running, carrying the ball uh, in numbers, which I think gives them plenty of options and it makes them dangerous, especially up forward. Um, Taranto, Whitfield, Ward, Lloyd, Green, Himmelberg, uh, they're great players in the sense we can actually move them either into the ground. I think that's a key strength to them if they need to use that. As I mentioned before, their lowest average inside 50s is not great uh, versus the other seven teams in the eight. So they've got a key, couple of key injuries. They've got Brent Daniels, who can play a small-type forward role. He's got a hamstring. And Tom Green's actually got a hamstring at the moment as well. So interesting to see if they're going to come up for this weekend. Come to play... Richmond, Tom Green, mate. We've moved on from Richmond. They're irrelevant. They're not playing finals. They're finished for the year. Have um, Do you play Cornelio, Shane? Oh, I think it depends who's available. Like if, if Tom Green's not available from a hamstring, I think he probably gets in. Um, well, you'd play him ahead of Tanner Bruin, mate, who's playing in the team. So he's yeah. definitely in yeah. him. What about, the, what about the coach, Shane? You, were, you, you had a bit of a not quite the set that Turtle has on Mr. Six Acres, but you went after Leon Cameron early on in the year. How do you see him now? Uh, it, for me, I think he's done a great job in the second half of the year. As Although those round 12, 13, 14 games, they had some ordinary losses and a draw against North Melbourne. But since then, they've been pretty dynamic. And as I said, they've they defeated Melbourne. They've beaten uh, Geelong. They've beaten the Bombers. So they've got some big scalps in the second half of the season. And I think I love the way they're actually moving the ball with speed and running in numbers. Um, it's a bit like what we saw when they first started, you know, what, 
what was it, 10, 11 years ago when they come to the competition. So uh, we haven't seen that for a long, long time. And I, I'm critical of Leon because I think he tried to play a style that the rest of the teams in the competition were playing for a number of years. And that just didn't suit him. It's like he's just let him, let him off the reins and said, go, boys, go play your natural game. And I think it's been, you know, they, they can be quite scary. Um, however, they've been inconsistent. They've only won 11 out of the, the 22 games. So, um, so not sure what we get on the weekend. To me, it's um, it stinks a bit of uh, you know they can just roll the dice, play free flowing footy. No one expects them to win. I, they, they it, it's all falling nicely for them. I still don't think they'll win, but um, gee, they're going to have a crack. Yeah, I think yeah, they'll certainly. Well, you hope they have a crack. They should be having a crack. Everyone should be having a crack because it's finals time. But I think what they've got when you look at all areas of the ground, they've got some really great balance. And one of the key players for him, and he didn't play last weekend because they rested him, is Big Mummy. Mummy. Like he has a big impact on the way they play. He's just one. He's huge, but he's he's quite dominant. He has a crack at ground level. Um, can surprise you with a mark and maybe even a, a snap goal. And hurts people. And <laughs> hurts people. And wants to hurt people. And you likes not that they're scared players like yeah Tommy Green if he plays Kelly Ward Hopper they just grow another leg mate. Or can it, if Cogs gets in there mate they'll grow another leg. So that he just brings a lot of confidence around the group. So if he doesn't play then. And I think expect him to, then I think they struggle a little bit. You know, for centre clearances, um, they average 37 clearances a game, so which is not too bad against the uh, probably the average for the competition. But um, he makes a big difference when he plays. Um, and I don't have the stat when you know when he plays how many times they win, but I reckon it'd be a high percentage of the games. And what about what about the bombers, mate? And Ben Rutten, we were talking about him off off air about that succession plan seems to have worked. Well, I don't agree with that because I don't I don't rate the guy that was there. So um, prior to him or with him last week, last year, uh, I think he's done a great job. I think um, I there's a drive by. Yeah, <laughs> there's a yeah. Well, Johnny can you know you know what. So um, I think he's done a great uh, a great thing with their defensive structure. I think that was a a, a key hole in their uh, the whole the holistic structure of the of the group over the last number of years, and I think. You know, their back line, if we look at it, um, I think it's got great balance. They've got some mobility. The only thing is with their back line, they're not big. Jordan Ridley's the tallest and he's, you know, 195 centimetres. Um, the others aren't that big. So if they get a big, big bodied and tall forward line, um, I think they'll struggle. But um, so I think they've got great balance. They've got some good running players in the back half in Ridley and uh, not Ridley, Hind and Laverty to a lesser point. Dyson Heppel. Mason Redman. Yeah. Redmond does a really good job. He kicked a goal last weekend, so they only played Collingwood, though. Um, so I think they've got some, some great options. Um, Who's going to keep... play on that? So, so just on that back line, Shane, who would you play on Norton? That'll be the interesting one. I think Laverde will probably go to him. Laverde. Mm, yeah. Okay. yeah, they might play him there because I think he's got more. Uh, I don't think you play Stewart on him. Um, the one for me, like they've been playing Francis up forward, and I yeah. think it's just because their back line's been so settled. He's a natural defender. Um, and I think if they have trouble with uh, some of the doggies forwards, wouldn't surprise to see him go back. Or him back, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, which and I wouldn't mind that move. So I think he, he's much suited there. I think he's a little bit lost forward. So um, <laughs> the key forwards, Peter Wright, two-metre Peter. I think he's done pretty well the last, um, probably last Good half kick. of the season. He's kicked 29 goals for the season. I think he's a dangerous player because, you know, who plays on a guy that's that big um, is pretty, pretty difficult. He's certainly a lot better than a Mason Cox at Collingwood. Um, 
So I think he's been dangerous and he's confident and he's doing well in the ruck as well. So, um, what about Stringer, pre- yeah, pretend Dusty? Pretend Dusty. I think he's having a great season. I think the beauty that, uh, you know, put him in the middle, he's, he's dynamic there, runs and carries the ball. I think he's aggressive. He's working hard both ways. He's got 39 goals for the season. It's, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good effort when you think about he plays. I'm not sure what his split is from midfield to forward, but uh, I certainly have, he's having a massive impact and one of the keys for the weekend. So Love anyways, that ground too down there, mate. He yep. started there earlier against Hawthorne. Yeah. Uh, interesting how they, they set up uh, Essendon. So I'm not sure whether they'll play hooker. He's announced his retirement, but he's kicked 33 goals for the season. Devin Smith will play. Harrison Jones, good young kid. He's you like their goals. Ruckman? Well, he's different. I think that's one of the one of the gaps I think in their team is having a, a key a key ruckman like Sam. He's a goer, can't kick well. Uh, he averages twenty three hitouts a game, so he's not too bad. But they've got some really good good mids. Darcy Parrish has had his best season for the season for a year for the best season ever, I think. Not for the year, obviously. Uh, he's averaging thirty possessions a game. Zach Merritt, he's just a machine. Works hard both ends of the ground. A lot like Parrish, but interesting. Parrish got tagged on the weekend by. Uh, Rantel from Collingwood, a young kid, and uh, he didn't like it. He didn't look comfortable at all with it. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, the doggies are playing the pressure to him on the weekend or just run their own game. Um, Andy McGrath, he's had uh, he's had a few injuries and issues, but a quality player. Been playing him on the wing a bit. Dylan Shields back. He's only played seven games for the season. So interesting to see how he uh, can impact the game on the, on the weekend. So. Um, but overall, they've won five of the last seven games, guys. You know, they've lost to the Swans by seven points and the Giants by 13 points. And their key win, though, the only team that they've beaten in the top eight is the Dogs, uh, which is three weeks ago. So um, I think they've you got to Do you reckon they can do it again, mate? Well, I think they can, Alan, because the Doggies, there's doubt in their minds now because they've lost their last three games. And you just got to get on top of the Doggies. And, uh, yeah, it might, be the, uh, it might be the end of the Doggies for the season. So, um so I think I'd give him a chance. Um, you would hope like four weeks ago, I think, uh, well, certainly I, I did. I think the doggies potentially win the flag, but three weeks later, they've lost every game. So doubts are there now. So if, if we've got doubts, there's certainly doubts in their mind. So uh, interesting to see how um, how the coach handles all this. So um, key injuries at the moment for, for the Bombers. You've got Kyle Langford, who's a key player for them, but um, they're managing without him at the moment. He's got a hamstring. So he'll be tested, and you mentioned Tipper before. Tex, um, yeah, he can be dynamic, but uh, for his personal unfit reasons, he's uh, not getting a game. And if that's still the case, he probably won't get a game this weekend. So I'll t- tell you where he's being dynamic, mate. He's being dynamic in the drive through at Macca's. That's where Tipper's being dynamic. Hey, I'm really pleased for um, the captain of Essendon, Dyson Heppel. I reckon um, he's been through a fair bit at that footy club, and for him to have the chance to captain them in their first final in a long time, I um, I really hope he goes well. And I, I think well, it's only the... two years since their last final, mate. But don't let facts get in the way of a good story. Where one one one, this will be their second final in how many years? Two years. They played in two thousand and nineteen, Sydney. Beso- besides that final, oh, the year before. No, they didn't, did they? Yeah, West Coast. West Coast beat them up as well. Oh, all right. Yeah, well, there no, you go. that's good, mate. Yeah, too much time on the mower, not this... enough on the internet, mate. <laughs> I think when you talk about the coach, I think he structured it up really well. I think there's a bit of belief within this group. So it wouldn't surprise me if they win again on on, uh, on the weekend against the Doggies. Uh, I think because they've got that belief and they, they believe in the structures that, that he set up and they're playing to it. So... Um, 
Let's wait and see. Should be a good game. Should be a cracker. Sucks, I know. As usual, magnificent work. So we're going to have to think about how we, what task we set you for next week, mate. Um, but thank you, mate. So the top eight teams you have covered off beautifully over the last four or five weeks. So um, let's see what happens over the weekend with those last two. All right, boys. Let's move into the El Primo segment now. Carry on. And now, Shano, I, I keep saying this every week, this just gets bigger and bigger. It'll soon not become the coach and text. It'll just be entitled Turtle TV. What have you got for us this week, Turtle? Oh, Tex, thanks for asking me, mate. Um, Luke Dennehy from the Herald Sun wanted to tune in and um, find out about what some of my inspiration was for a couple of my, my, um, my top five countdowns. And, mate, I'm not going to disappoint today. I'm going early. Um, but before I do that, once again, for our favourite tweeter out there, um, the other pumper, he wants his weekly update of reality TV and he's going to get it again. Shano, we're, we're getting towards the business end of the season in, in Survivor. Tex, have you tuned in yet? Or have you cleaned up that sock drawer, mate? Are you on board now? Uh, now I've gone out to watching the stars, mate. I couldn't give a rat's toss bag, as Malcolm White used to say. Oh, well, you should, mate. Uh, we're down to the final eight. Did you watch it last night, Shano? Of course, uh, mate. Oh, absolutely, of course. Goodness. What do you it's think of George's decision tight. he made? Like, what do you think of George's decision last night? Um, oh, well, I, he's protecting his allies, but he maybe should have told us that I could have... Um, she's uh, no ally. I don't know where he gets the, the thought in his head, she's an ally. How is she an ally? Cara? Yeah. She saved him about... Um, in one of the early episodes, mate. Yeah, we do. All right. He's going to save his ass. Clearly, you half a million dollars, mate. Mate, you half might know how to dollars. coach football. You don't know how to coach Survivor, mate. So just take a, take a back seat there, mate, and just worry about your segment. Um, I'm making the special comments. You answer when you're asked a question, mate. I didn't well, ask you. Appreciate, about appreciate your feedback, anyway. <laughs> appreciate your feedback. So uh, carry on. We get on the Turtle TV. Was that it? We allowed three minutes. He's just waited three. <laughs> And he better I'll not have a top what, 15. It's a top five, all right? It is. You're, you're right, Shane. But just before we do that, um, we yeah, are going to – I will, I will make it. Stinky will come out and say who, who Just tell me now, mate, at day 33, who wins it from here? Haley. Haley. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. We, I, I agree, we both agree on that one. Very – what a great comeback, mate, from Redemption Rock. I love it, mate. Can I just interrupt and apologise to our listeners? Oh, you're still on mine, mate. Sorry. For, I for the last two minutes. Well, me and the rest of the... Oh, I thought you were outside watching the stars, mate. That's where I'll be headed. night out there, mate. That's where I'll be headed. All right. Yeah. Let's get down to the Turtle TV top five for this week. As I alluded to last week, um, I'm zeroing in... Programs. Um, so that's sort of like three thirty four o'clock time slot through about right. Um, it was long list. Um, I had to go and have a look at the CVs of all of those programs before I shortlisted it. Uh, but I tell you what, mate, it was it was magnificent. So notable mentions before I actually get into the five. Um, my three sons. Oh yes. 
What text giving us the nod on that one? You, you don't even know my three sons. My goodness. Oh, I don't. I don't. They, did, they didn't make it, so it was okay. Don't what was the um, the head actor on that one? Um, oh, I, I should know. Really. But I tell you, um, not half as good as the Adams family, um, which was another. That's it. Right. Sneaky in the Now, you tell me what the next program is. Ron Eli. Oh, really? Oh! That's it. Tarzan. It's Tarzan. That's right. That's it. And now, again, some uh, and, the, and the last notable mention before we get into the top five, let me start with the, the opening two words of the theme song. Sunday, Monday. Happy days. <laughs> Ricky, Ricky Cunningham. <laughs> was, well done, Tex. The Fonz. Um, always loved going to his office. Um, did you like going to his office, Tex? Or did I loved you just it. like sitting in the booth? I loved it. I didn't mind Joni either. <laughs> Joni Cunningham. Well, that, you know that the spin-off from that was Laverne and Shirley. Yeah, that's right. Because they were two hanger two hanger honors from um, um what was her name? Cindy Williams, who played. Oh, Cindy those. Williams, yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah, have to do yeah. that name that tune one week one week. Let's do that. Oof. Name that tune. That's it. Now, at number five though, now we're getting to the business end of my selections here. Um a horse is a horse, of course, of course. And no one can talk to a horse, of course. That's it. At number five. Um, and that's it, yeah, mate. Oh, and you know, Brian Taylor loves using um, the old Wilbur Post when every now and again uh, a couple of the boys hit the uprights. Um, so that did come in at number five. It just got it just got beaten by Get Smart, which Ooh. sat in at, at at number four, mate. Which is again, oh, I loved it, mate. I love. But is there a better opening opening section? <laughs> <laughs> Agent Boy Favourite character the bin. Um, We don't <laughs> In chaos Sucker <laughs> what, what about the motorbikes Vroom vroom uh, yeah, well, Larrabee was Has to be the greatest male secretary um, <laughs> Agent, for Agent 13 <laughs> Agent 13 Agent th- Jaime Jaime But of course No one better than 99 mate Oh no! You've forgotten she the best one. was ninety-nine out of hundred. You've forgotten the best one. What? Fang. Z- Fang. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Magnificent program. But I'll tell you what. This is why this was so difficult. And then at number three was the skipper and Gilligan, mate. Gilligan's Island. Oh, uh, Gilligan's Island. That's exactly right, mate. Um, yes, Jeez. that's right. The skipper would throw that hat down in frustration at Gilligan. Um, ginger, professor, ginger um, or ginger. What about Marianne? Yeah, Marianne. Oh, yeah. yeah, ginger. Yeah, so that was a, a Gilligan's Island one. But you, you, you get so pissed off, you think they're going to escape this episode, and somehow that foiled plan. Tricky little boats that were going to get them off the island, and then sure enough, they got trapped again. It they had plenty of visitors, didn't they? they? Had plenty of visitors. At number two, this reminds me every time we dial into you, Tex. The Brady Bunch. Ah. Um, yes, mate, I tell you. What? The Brady Bunch. The Brady Bunch. Sam the Butcher. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, who, who, was your favorite, who was your favourite character uh, out of all the kids? 
Marsha. Oh, Marsha when she got smashed with the the nose split from ear to ear. That was a that was a good one. And oh. and Cindy needed a good foot up the ass. That's what Cindy needed. Mate, did you like mm. the one where she um did the um the tongue twisters? Yes, mate. Anyway, um, but I'll tell you what, a, a link to Survivor was that episode where they went to Hawaii for the holidays and the boys went into the cave and they found that idol. Unfortunately, it wasn't an immunity idol, which would have been helping a couple of people on the current season. Uh, that was the six degrees of separation. I don't know if you picked up on that text there. Um, number one, a clear favourite, mate. Lost in space. Oh. oh, really? Yes, mate. Oh. What about uniforms, mate? You went Hogan's heroes, no, nah, mate. Didn't didn't even get a notable mention, mate. Bobby Crane. Oh, well, I've heard that. How he died, don't you? Classic for misadventure was what it was called. Yes. That was the cause yes. of death. <laughs> misadventure, a bit like mm. Michael Hutchins, I suspect. But anyway, um, maybe. Now back on the on Lost in Space. I used to love the way they'd have their silvery outfits for when. The season was largely in the air when they were always um, travelling in outer space as opposed to landing on a particular planet. And then they'd have those little tracksuit pant-type outfits. Um, and who could go past um, Dr. Smith, mate, and the robot? It was a unique relationship, probably a bit like Texas and mine. Um, very unique. <laughs> Quite the ninny I see mm. over there, mate. Um, maybe but we anyway. You, maybe we should uh, send you two up into orbit. Used to, um, or just used, used to. to. Yeah, no, used to. I'm used to that too. Yes. What? What? A, <laughs> no honourable mentions for Skippy or Flipper. Oh, they they are good ones, Tex. But um, no, no. Yes, Skip. <laughs> that, that means. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll find another theme for next week. But thank you very much for supporting. Well me. done, buddy. And I want to look him straight in the eye, and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no-good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is! I can't take it anymore. I've had enough. I, 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 I try and protect the club I love. But this week, the Collingwood Football Club are the subject to my tirade. If I just walk you back through what has happened this year at my beloved footy club, Coach, they had salary cap issues. They didn't start the season too well. They let great players like Trelaw and Stevenson, but certainly Trelaw, and the manner in which he left the club. To the Do Better report and all the fallout that came from that. And whether it was a poor choice of words or people blame Eddie Maguire and the board at the time, but the fact is Collingwood has had, has had racism as part of its DNA and are exposed and found out and they didn't own their mistakes and they didn't acknowledge the improvement that they needed to have. So Eddie leaves um, and they still are yet to land on who's running the place. They then decide to move on the coach after many years at the club and the way they did that was okay. But this club has not learned anything in 2021. It still has board instability. It's finishing the year 17 in the competition with six wins and 16 losses. 
who should want it should be killed. We have to coach this footy club. Don't want a bar of it, like Ross Lyon and Don Pike. Who knows? views of the footy club. But why would you want to go there? Um, then, just to top it off this week, whether he's had a brain fade or not, the captain of the footy club comes out and almost invites other clubs to offer him a contract for him to walk out of the club a club that's never needed him more for him to selfishly go and want to entertain offers that he's nest as he approaches the twilight of his career. This footy club needs to remind itself of some cold, and that is it's won two premierships in 30 years. It's had um, 70,000 members 10 years ago. It's now got 75,000 members. The KPIs or whatever they want to call them are not going in the right direction of this footy club and it needs to get its head out of its ass and understand that it's not an entitlement to be a heavyweight in this competition. So for the, for the uh, common sense of those who sweat and, and work hard for it, who have played for it before like you, Shane, and supported who they play an important part of the life, I implore the Collingwood Footy Club but particularly to get their shit together and not be so selfish with their heads up their ass and actually reinvent this club and make it come back to being one of the greats of the competition because it is grossly underperforming both on and off the field at the minute. And 2021 is going to go down as one of the darkest years in the history of this great footy club. I agree. Um, I think I'll pull you up on the two premierships in 30 years. It's two premierships in 63 years. Um, that's how appalling the performance has been overall uh, of the club. Um, there's certainly uh, egos at play here, and that's why we've got the situation with the board. Uh, has ego come into play with Scott's comments on the weekend about feeding his own pocket potentially, his own future, and not worried about what his role is and where how he stands within that club and how important his role is? Um, only he can answer that. So, he certainly, I haven't heard anything of a retraction of his comments and an apology for it, but he has. Yeah, he well, did he today. Made, he put, put something on Twitter, mate, trying to, um, oh, after well. Nick Rewalt got into him last night, mate. Um, well, yeah, I wouldn't say that's a retraction. Like, come out and officially, you know, do something better than that. Um, so I think, yeah, they're in a world of pain. I'd, yeah, why would you want to go there as a coach? Why would you want to be involved there? Um, you know, you got Francis Galbelli now going to the course to see if he can, I don't know, do something to take over and take control of the board. Uh, I just don't know where, where they're going to finish up. And, you know, as Turtle, you mentioned before, they're irrelevant. And right now they are irrelevant. Um, you know, it's just – and it's sad to see that at mm. this stage. It's happened um, quick, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. But, but the lead indicators are there, mate. And as much as what Eddie McGuire bangs on, and I know there's a do-better report and all the rest of it, but they punted Gary Pert. And look at Gary Pert, mate. He's um, the mm. CEO of a – of a team that's been in the wilderness for almost as many years as what Collingwood were. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And some of these issues have been probably going on for a couple of years, but we just weren't aware of them. And now it's just culminated to this year. The um, mo- we've seen it. The most disappointing thing is um, what's happened off field since, you know, kind of the first third of the year. They're still no closer to having a settled board that's, you know, seems to have got on with trying to run the footy club. So it just filters down from the top and it could end up becoming like Carlton if it doesn't get its, you know, get out of its own way. 
Yeah. And the thing is, too, like when you look at the players, you know, it'd be interesting to hear their views on this. Now, they say that when things going on uh, and there's issues with the board, the players and the coaches will say, well, no, no, we're just going to focus on what you can control. We'll go out and play our football. I'm telling you, it'll have an impact on the players. Hmm. They, don't have it, they don't have a coach. The board's non-existent, really, and there's fights there. Got no senior senior coach coming on board. There's no one seems like they're interested in it. Hmm. Um, and, you know, they've got a lot of young kids there. And it was interesting, Ross Lyons yeah, comment too. Oh, no worries. Sorry, so Ross Lyons' comment too was around the, un- the unhealthy father-son combinations that are there at the moment. Ross Lyon called that out as a bit of a problem. Uh, I don't... Sons are okay. Yeah. Okay. What's unhealthy? Cold, what did you say is unhealthy about it? Sorry, Tim. So so many influences, so many father-sons there at the one time is, is not normal. I think it's if more... If they can play their game, they can it's more play like, their role, um, then they play it. Um, what Peter Moore's probably interested in getting on the board, mate. Right. He could be on one of the tickets. But I think that's makes sure to the fact that Colin aren't interested in um, Ross Lyon. I mean, just as a quick aside, that the, that's part of the Carlton board are saying that not selecting Ross Lyon has got to do with their. Um, their Carlton Respects program, and I thought, you're kidding me, aren't you? You're not respecting your current incumbent, and you're worried about how uh, another coach has been handling mm. his subordinates yeah. in another club. So anyway, apparently, that's Collingwood are not interested in him. I mean, I don't think it's a big loss that um, no plan B, Mr. Plan B, Don Pike doesn't want to go there. But I'll tell you, and Craig McCrae, the $1.50 favourite apparently at the moment, um, yeah. that is a good get. That'll be a great okay. get, and apparently, um, the the tip is is that Lepich will go with him as a as a list manager. So Lepich would report into Graham Wright as the head of football um, as part okay. of that process. So I think they'd be two really good gets for Collingwood if they if they can get those. Um, Have they spoken to Craig McRae? Yeah, yeah. Apparently he's and the word was is that says that um, that's why Don Pike's pulled out because he was not. He, they were going to pick McRae ahead of him. The only thing, especially Craig McRae. The only comment I've heard the club make, Shane, is that they've interviewed McRae. I think twice, but certainly he interviewed very well, and and there's a lot of positivity. I mean, I, I don't know anything about him. I've, I've read up on him, but apparently he is. He the worked front at Collingwood. He worked yeah, at no, I understand that now. Hmm, I understand yeah. that now, but um, yeah, he's um, the favourite tonight. Sam Wright picked him at at Hawthorne before he left Hawthorne. So he's been under Clarkson for a year or two as well. I think a year. This year he was at, at Hawthorne. Okay. Yeah. You, who else are they? Who else are they? Still on anchor. You're still on anchor here. You know that. What? Yeah. What? Well, yeah. Uh, we're still on anchor. Yeah. That's okay, Tex. Yeah. Right. Are, are you okay there, Harry? Okay. Just checking. Just checking. All right. Well. That- Healthy Tyro text. Good to see you um, take the blinkers off there for a moment um, and point your hate in the right direction. Thank you very much. Now, one of the downsides when we record or pre-record as we did in this episode is that when you go back and check the recording, particularly when it's done remotely and the gremlins are out of control, means that we've had to render the whole Tweeters of the Week segment 
as being uh, redundant, which means that Shane will have to contribute his 5% again all of next week. So sorry about that, listeners, but we'll be back next week with um, a much more vibrant uh, section of Twitters of the Week. Have a good week.